Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We are just grateful to be here on this first Sunday in Easter. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for your Easter resurrection. We thank you and praise you for the salvation that you have won for us. And we pray now, Lord, as we gather in your name, that you would bless this time together, that you would draw us closer to you and to one another. Amen. This morning, I'd like to continue the theme that Pastor had during Lent. Thy will be done. A year ago, Easter, Hobby Lobby published a full-page ad in the newspaper. The headlines read, Let the author of life write your story. It's a rather intriguing statement. Let the author of life, let God write your story. The statement prompts a question. Who is writing your story? This morning I'd like to explore that question. Who is writing your story? A very popular and growing response is to hold on to the pen. I am writing my story. I look inward. I define my values, what it means to be successful. I define what is right and wrong. I'm the captain of my own ship. The problem with that response is it builds a wall between us and God. And it makes it much more difficult for us to say, thy will be done. Another response is to hand the pen to others, to family, to friends, to co-workers, and say, help me write my story. It's a good response. We need their wisdom, their perspective, their experience as we make decisions in our lives. However, we need to be a little careful to whom we hand the pen. If I handed the pen to Ron and said, Ron, write me a few sentences for my life, I know what Ron would write. Al has finally come to his senses. He has sold his one share of useless ownership in the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> he is now a devout Broncos fan. Ooh. A little scary. As parents, as grandparents, we are concerned about who is writing the story for our children and our grandchildren. We are concerned about who is influencing their lives, who are their friends, what are they reading, what are they seeing, what are they watching. Our Heavenly Father comes to us and says, as his children, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. The world seeks to write our story. The world seeks to define our values, what it means to be successful. The world wants to write our story. And our Heavenly Father says, be cautious to whom you hand the pen. A third response is to look upward and hand the pen to our Heavenly Father. In Christ, we have a perfect example of someone who handed the pen to his Heavenly Father 
and let his father write his story. We're told in scripture that Christ was obedient to death, even the death of a cross. When Christ fed the 5,000, people came to him and said, let's make you a bread king. Let's change your story. And Christ said, no. When others came to him and said, let's make you a ruler. Let's change your story. He said, no. When his own disciples came to him and said, hey, hey you know, all this talk about suffering and dying, let's tamper that rhetoric down just a little bit. Christ said, no, you're not changing my story. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the eve of the horrific suffering and death of the cross, Christ wanted to change his story. He goes to his father and says, remove this cup from me. But even in that moment of severe anguish, Christ presents us with this great example because he leaves the pen in God's hands. He says, Father, if it be your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not you, my will, but yours be done. We are thankful that Christ followed the script. He suffered and died for us. So now we have a place prepared for us in heaven. And he says to each of us, let the Father write your story. There's a great, hang on a second. There's a great passage in Jeremiah where God tells his people who are captive in Babylon, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for welfare and for your good, not for your harm. Plans to give you a future and a hope. What were those plans? God was going to bring his people home. Home to a land that he'd given them. Home to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Home to rebuild the temple. Those plans would not be without a lot of hardship and challenges. But God was going to bring his people home. God says to each of us, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare are not evil. Plans to give you hope and a future. And what are those plans? God has plans to bring us home also. Home to a place that he's prepared for us in heaven to spend eternity with him. While here on earth, he also has plans. On our walk to heaven, God has plans for us. But what are those plans? You get a message from God on Monday morning saying, here are the plans for the week. I don't. In the absence of a Monday morning message, how do we know God's plans for our lives? A couple 
Well, three quick points. First, God says, I've written a book. It's a bestseller. Read it. Because in my book, I tell you my story. God tells us how he created the universe, sustains the universe, how he died for us, how he's prepared a place for us in heaven. It is his story that provides context for our story. And in his book, he's written much of our story. He says that we are his ambassadors, that we are to glorify him in all that we do, that we are to be a blessing to others as he has blessed us. In God's book, he's written much of our story. So read it. God says, talk to me. Come to me in prayer. It's in humility that we come to God in prayer. We acknowledge his sovereignty. We acknowledge we need his help. In prayer, we build a relationship with him. So we go to God in prayer, in humility, with that relationship that we have, seeking his will, not my will. And when we do that, it is much easier to see the plans that he has for us. Third point, God says to each of us, be still and listen to me. There's this great story in 1 Kings where God's main man, Elijah, the prophet, has fled to the desert. He's fleeing Queen Jezebel who wants to kill him. And we find Elijah under a tree and he's telling God he wants to die. He's frustrated with being a prophet. He's had it. God comes to Elijah, ministers to him, takes him on a journey to Mount Horeb, and there we find Elijah in the silence of a cave. There's a huge wind, a huge earthquake. There's a huge fire. But we are told that God is in none of that noise but rather God comes to Elijah in the silence of a cave in a low whisper. He comes in a still, small voice. And it is in the silence of that cave that Elijah hears God's plans for him or his life. God has given us numerous opportunities to be silent. He says, worship and be silent. Pray and be silent. Study my word and be silent. This picture that you see, I think is a good summary of those three points. God says, I've written a book. Read it. Come to me in prayer. Talk to me. And be silent so you can hear my whisper. A story. When I retired, Marsha and I were looking for short-term volunteer international mission opportunities. Marsha found one, teaching English in China during the summer. She was very excited about it. Me, not so much. Not at all. I called the organization and said, is there something I can do 
while Marcia's teaching? No, sir, was the response. All we have are volunteer teaching opportunities. I agreed to go. After all, this was a one and done deal, right? Just go. You can survive five and a half weeks in China, maybe six. Might even be an adventure. Just go, endure it, get it over with, and then when we get back, I will find a volunteer international mission opportunity that meets my criteria for how I am going to serve God in retirement. Well, in 2010, I could never have imagined that we would spend six of the next nine summers in China. And now, nine years later, I cannot imagine our lives without those six summers in China. They have truly been a blessing. When God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your good, plans to give you a hope and a future, they're true. Folks, with all this talk about stories, here's the bottom line. There are only two stories being written that have eternal consequences. Only two stories being written that have eternal consequences. The first story is being written by God. It's a story of his love for you. It's a story that ends in heaven, spending eternity with him. The second story is being written by the devil, and it's a story that ends in hell, eternally separated from God. God comes to us each day and says, let me, the one who loves you more, let me, the one who knows you best, let me, the one who died for you, write your story. Why? Because I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. May we, may God grant us the wisdom, the humility, and the stillness to let the author of life write our story. Amen. And now hear those great words in Jude. Just forgot them. Oh, I know what they are. And now, unto him who is able to keep you from falling, unto him who is able to lift you up and present you faultless and blameless before his throne, unto him be all honor and glory, power and might, now and forever. Amen.